Hello everyone. I need to start this off with an apology. I was having some technical difficulties with recording the audio for the first five minutes or so of this meeting, and as a result, you missed out on Josh introducing some new parts of our FPVFC website where we're trying to make it super easy for everybody to look up their congressman who may be on uh, transportation committees or different committees that are related to the FAA so that you can send out a letter to them telling them what we uh, think about the remote ID. Anyway, so I'm going to jump you right into the middle of the conversation here where Josh is continuing to discuss the parts of the website that he's been working on. On here, um, which would be like uh, the, the, um, Subcommittee so, on Aviation and Space? Uh, I've got those. Um, it would be like the Defense and Homeland Security subcommittees. Um, those are going to be the other ones that are going to have the big influence on there. Uh, I just have to have a little bit of time to kind of put those there. Um, so uh, we wanted to present this. Now, uh, one of the other things I'm going to do probably by the end of the night is provide a link to this letter. Um, in terms of like a Google document. So if you have suggestions, you have edits, uh, ideas you want to toss in there that you think would be beneficial to everybody involved, um, you'll be able to kind of jump in there, suggest an edit, and then I can go through and get those added or detracted in there. So um, thoughts, comments, ideas, uh, just right off the bat. So catch up as on the as we go ahead. I know you guys have good contacts with like a lot of YouTubers and people with sort of like an outsized voice. Have you thought about are are you pushing this message to them as well so they can contact your their viewers and be like, hey, if you live in this state, you know, you need to get a hold of Absolutely. Oh, yeah, so so um definitely. So this has kind of been a, a soft launch on this little on this on this thing and, and we kinda held back for a while uh because we felt obviously that our legislative uh, branch has kind of had their hands full over the last couple of months. So we've been kind of holding on to this and not really pushing it uh, because we don't want the message to get lost in the, you know, in the mess essentially. So um, now that we're kind of coming out on the other side of it and uh, you know, I think we're at what 30, 39 states at this point are starting to reopen by the end of this week. Um, you know, we wanted to uh, get this uh, posted so people can start reacting to it, start forming what they want to do, forming what they want to say to their, their members. Um, beyond that, yes, uh, now that it's out, we can start pushing it uh, on the influencer side. Um, and obviously to anybody with, with some class. So, um, this is kind of the next step guys. So, you know, we, we had the comment period, uh, that was massively successful, uh, from in terms of getting comments, uh, we ended up with over 50,000 comments, uh, probably one of the biggest, uh, NPRMs that has ever seen, uh, Number two, uh, we had the protest. Um, we got that kind of pushed. Uh, people have been having, you know, conversations. We're involved on the, 
uh, drone advisory committee. And then, you know, the next step here is contacting the people who kind of hold the purse strings. Um, and these are the people whose uh, jobs uh, we directly affect in terms of our vote. So um, these are going to be the people that, you know, from a, a basis of being able to listen to directly to the people, this is going to be, you know, the next best option here. So, you know, that doesn't mean we're going to back down on having conversations or uh, anything like that with the FAA and continuing that um, that outreach doesn't mean we're going to stop being involved in the DAC. Um, but from this standpoint, it's reaching out and getting our message heard. So um, any other questions, comments, anything that we can kind of clarify? Um, Bruce is saying, why do we, why are we bothering with uh, comments anyway? <clears throat> In as much as the uh, RSS uh, developer cohort uh, for requirements, not the, not the cohort, not the developers themselves have been selected. Um, why do we think they'll uh, listen to comments? Um, we do think that uh, that there is work going on uh, with the FAA. They are. Uh, Josh is correct. This is the largest NPRM that the FAA has uh, received. Um, the normal uh, number is closer to 5,000 comments, so we're a factor of uh, 10 over. So that's good. Um, <clears throat> And uh, we are uh, hearing things uh, like a, a survey popped up, uh, let's see, that would be yesterday, uh, that we will uh, look at, take it, see if it makes sense. And if it does, if it looks viable, we'll ask folks to go ahead and, uh, um, uh, and take, the, uh, take the survey and, because it is for both um, uh, commercial uh, 107 as well as recreational. Uh, uh, users, um, we would we would <clears throat> we're going to take the view that uh, we are not wasting our time. Um, we our view is that uh, we're trying to work from within. Um, certainly, if the FAA comes out and it's obvious that uh, they were uh, simply ignoring the entire uh, rules process. Uh, that's why we're laying the uh, the groundwork with uh, our congressional uh, representatives, um, because we were trying to shine a light on this. Uh, and there are enough um, uh, points of contact now in the FAA that we, we don't think that they are, um, it doesn't require sign. No, that's correct. The rules are done. The um, so XJet is saying this doesn't require sign-off by politicians, though, does it? The necessary legislation has already passed into law via the reapproval. Right. The 2018 FAA Reauthorization Act gave the FAA several very important authorities, one of which was to identify UAS as aircraft and to uh, repeal 336, the model aircraft uh, ex uh, exemption. And so... <clears throat> Uh, the FAA absolutely has the authority, but the uh, congressional representatives uh, that we are uh, encouraging um, uh, starting a campaign to talk to have oversight responsibility. And then in the next budget cycle, these representatives in combination with the appropriation um, 
uh, or, or uh, appropriation committees have funding authority. So we, we do feel that it is um, uh, appropriate to, uh, uh, to continue to, uh, and to continue pushing. And that's why I'm spending um, uh, my time uh, working with and working on the, uh, the uh, Drone Advisory Committee, uh, spending probably uh, 10 to 15 hours a week right now on uh, two tasking groups. I think we need a far more strategic and tactical response. Simple comments and lobbying are unlikely to succeed. I have the plan. Well, speak up, Bruce. I don't know. I think if you can get constituents from the specific um, for the for the members of those subcommittees, if you can get their constituents talking to them on a consistent basis, I think you probably have better uh, chances with that with a more targeted approach. Oh, without a doubt. And we're encouraging, um, if you are not a constituent of a representative, our recommendation is don't bother. Uh, don't bother sending an email because, uh, you know, for, you know, the, uh, at least from the congressional side, the re our representatives should be looking back to their district. You know, theoretically, senators are supposed to be taking a, a uh, and in a country-wide view, but we all know that they are parochial back to their own states as well. It's time for a good cop, bad cop. Let's use the cannon back here. All right. So, well, well, go ahead. what I'm, yeah, what I'm trying to say there is, um, the the procedures laid down in in the legislation allow for this consultative process, but. Um, listening to the consultation is purely optional and one thing that i think will work far better is if we have groups like the fpv freedom coalition perhaps the ama the other representative bodies uh weighing in as good cop but you need a bad cop you need someone like me who's going to say if your rules do not suit they're going to be ignored and putting the alternative proposal that if they don't come up with a set of rules and restrictions that are a good fit with the needs of the community then they are basically going to be completely useless. So it then behoves them far better for them to work with the groups like FPV Freedom Coalition and AMA to come up with rules that will be acceptable. Now, you guys can't play bad cop because you guys are out there promoting positively, but someone like me can come in and play bad cop. And I can say, if you don't follow the recommendations of these groups, then you have to deal with the alternative, which is a whole lot worse from your compliance perspective. I absolutely agree. It's a night. It would be a nightmare for the FAA to have massive non-compliance yeah. and you know, we have uh, certainly we have been uh, espousing that point uh, in our NPRM comments as well as uh, in every uh, tasking group uh, committee I'm on. I mean that's a uh, you know when we talk about well you know how many UAS operators are we talking about and across the United States it's uh, in excess of a million and so uh, draconian or overreaching uh, regulations that are not going to uh, result in uh, you know, significant compliance, you know, you won't have achieved uh, the integration, which, you know, is the, the mandate of, uh, of the entire UAS um, integration office. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, has, has come up is this uh, remote ID uh, cohort. Um, and I know a lot of us got the email and a lot of us are like, oh, they're moving forward with the remote ID and, 
and so on and so forth. But, you know, let me kind of backtrack a little bit. These these uh, companies, they're partnering with these companies to develop the kind of ideas behind uh, the the uh, USS or the right. yeah the, the UAS yeah. service suppliers. These are, you know, from the NPRM, yes, these would be the people who are going to be um, managing the, you know, the remote ID or would be managing the remote ID. But let's backtrack to, you know, some of the suggestions from both us and um, some of our partners that, that we kind of worked with was that, you know, there are some aspects of commercial, you know, like large fleets that should, you know, kind of be rolled into the remote ID, whereas people like recreational should absolutely be outside of it. Um, with the exception of, you know, let's say you are a recreational person that's going to be flying, you know, 10 miles out, you know, that kind of thing, um, it might be a little bit of a different tune. So that's not to say that, you know, now that they're moving forward with USSs, that um, they are, you know, they've ignored us and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't want anybody to think that, but I do want you to be wary. You know, I want you to understand that, you know, these are people who are kind of deciding how these USSs should operate, um, what's going to be the, you know, data and, and whatnot that they're seeking, um, and how they're going to manage that. Um, keep in mind, there's a lot of sensitive data floating around. Um, so how they manage our, or I don't want to say R as recreational, but R as UAS um, pilots, how they manage that data is going to be a very sensitive topic. So, you know, there's a lot of things involved with with moving uh, forward with the USS aspect of remote ID. Um, here's and here's the, what I and the announcement ahead. the announcement last week was the identification of eight companies who will who will create requirements that will go into the development of applications. And so. We all looked at that list and said, oh, these are the likely RSS companies themselves. True. However, you know, that's good that's good speculation on our part. But what the FAA announced is this group of companies will be working on the requirements of applications. So as they would say in Texas, they're fixing to do something. But it's you know, it's not uh, been a commitment yet that these will be the companies. This is much like the uh, UAS knowledge exam, we had a cohort meeting on the requirements of the administration of the exam on January 14. Uh, there were 12 of us that showed up in Washington, and we were the group providing requirements. You know, hint, hint, wink, wink, we might be the group also to be the administrators of the exam, but that's absolutely not a commitment, and it's a similar process that we're observing here with the RS, uh, our USSs here. So, you know, ex, uh, Bruce, to, to kind of answer your question, so the requirements of the hobby are being ignored. Um, from a, you know, from a certain point of view, I would say that if they, you know, if the consensus, consensus comes down that, you know, recreational um, are not going to be participating in remote ID, then technically no. If we are going to be participating, then yes, you are correct. Right. And, and I would fully agree with you. 
it's also these are the companies that will be the USSs. So I don't think any recreational individual is going to be a uh, part of uh, the unmanned traffic management system. So these are large software and telecommunications companies by definition. So yeah, that's who they. These are the to. people that can develop the infrastructure, um, right. whereas the AMA, the FPV, FC, uh, anybody else from the recreational side isn't necessarily geared up for that kind of project. So um, now, again, the other reason for congressional outreach, um, the reason that we put this these lists together, um, as as these committee members change, we can update this, and as future things kind of roll out, we can reach out to um, these folks on different aspects of our hobby. Um, and the more that we start, you know, developing that talking relationship with our Congress people, um, the, the better off we'll be. So somebody asked when the, um, next FAA reauthorization. So the FAA reauthorization is good for five, five years. years. Yep. So 2023 would be the next one. And one of the things I don't think a lot of people, uh, understood was when the FAA reauthorization happened, nobody was talking to these people. Um, there weren't a whole lot of people talking to Congress themselves saying, you know, let's start working on some of this stuff. We start developing that relationship now for three years from now. There's a much bigger impact that we as individuals would be able to have on that. And the more that we can speak with a, a, a unified message, you know, the better off I think we'll all be. Um, that's one of the ways we, we kind of attack the, the comment period um, where we, you know, put out a message, we put it out to the community, the community had input on it, we kind of crammed it all together, we, we um, made it so, you know, that, that kind of a lot of people's different voices were in it, it wasn't just me, it just wasn't just Dave, it wasn't Dan, it was everybody that, that, that put a, some emphasis in there, we reached out, we got data, we got sources, you know, uh, from our partners. And through all that, we were able to put together the response that we did. And beyond that, we were able to take that response, send it out to everybody, send it out to um, our members, send it out to our community, send it out to our partners. And, you know, as you go through those comments, and I'm not saying it was all just us, but a lot of people had the same kind of impression of what that message should be. And um, that's the way I think we as a recreational community need to be pushing our, our message forward. Um, and again, it's not just about the FPVFC. Um, it, you know, if you subscribe to the AMA, if you FCTA, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, outlet you go through, you know, the more that we can be as a community speaking the same words, the better off we're going to be. And um, that's kind of the tack that we're taking going forward with this. And um, again, there's, keep in mind that these are the also, people. There's go also ahead. a lot of infrastructure that needs to be designed for this to work in the um, remote ID and PRM, as well as uh, the uh, two other NPRMs, one was an announcement of an NPRM that uh, came out in uh, early 2019 
there was a fair amount of discussion about the <clears throat> UTM and the infrastructure that would be put forward. And so unmanned traffic management. So uh, there's a, a document uh, called ConOps 2 that uh, references and is a, or it is in itself a requirement statement for uh, unmanned traffic management. And right, and that is one of the two topics of the tasking group that I'm working on with the Drone Advisory Committee. It's pretty rough right now, rough in the sense of there, there's a lot of detail that needs to be added before this can be put into operation. And so if you envision that these eight um, remote ID USS companies uh, have to set up a federation of companies and federation of UTMs that will interact and uh, feed data back and forth to a single FAA database. A lot of the, what are the data elements? How is this going to work? What's the security? How do we, how do you um, uh, back data up? How do you make sure that when you log someone in or if I travel from, um, Albuquerque to uh, Austin, Texas. How do I? Uh, how how can my national sign-on function? A lot of details to be worked. So we don't have a lot of things that are already done, which is you know which emphasizes this is a good time to uh, to get involved and get engaged. And so that's what we're trying to do. And as Bruce said, here he's absolutely right. We are working on the good cop side of things. We are not a shill for the FAA. We're absolutely uh, being a, a loud voice uh, for recreational and for frequently for 107 pilots as well. I mean, honestly, we want to be the elephant in the room. We're working with them, but we're the voice that can't be, you know, over. So, you know, and, and to answer, you know, Bruce's other question, the, the USS environment ought to be a competitive one. I absolutely agree. Um, but again, it comes down to being able to facilitate the infrastructure on this. And a lot of these companies are the ones that can kind of push that. Um, there's there's no doubt that there's money to be made in here. Uh, we we know from the the remote ID um, and PRM that you know there's you know a potential for a subscription fee, which means monetizing the airspace, which doesn't sit well with me. Uh, I don't think it sits well with any of us. Um, now, in terms of and, who and can develop can... that infrastructure, I think that's going to be the basis on who's going to be able to compete in that environment. And I'm sure there's going to be other companies. And a lot of the times we've seen that the FAA has put out, uh, you know, incremental, uh, an incremental approach to adding people onto these projects. So, you know, we see uh, invitations go out for new DAC members. We see invitations go out for uh, participation in um, the API for, um, uh, Lance. Um, so uh, those are those are kind of the, the the parts where we see them do an incremental approach to adding other companies into the system. So yeah, I um, text Jed is saying that uh, as a lifetime IT person, the whole RID concept seems daunting. Yeah, we tend to agree, and that's why uh, we pushed for and continue to push for a broadcast only. It's simpler. There's no uh, cell phone uh, fee or subscription. 
we think it would be uh, a lot, uh, and that would uh, move the uh, the number of uh, UAS that are possible to upgrade up to a reasonable number, up from zero. And certainly, the num the FAA's estimate of 93% of the current uh, UAS fleet could be software upgraded to be compliant. You know, we felt that number was zero because of the way the NPRM was written. Uh, allow us to do just do broadcast, and it could be at least half of the current UAS flying could be software upgraded to be compliant. So uh, pay to fly. There are two telephone companies involved on the current list. How will other telephone companies be disadvantaged? So uh, I would imagine that there are two reasons that telephone companies want to be on that list. Number one is going to be for the data that's going to be passing through their systems. Um, you know, there, there's a, obviously a, a a payment scheme you have to pay for your data um the other secondary aspect to um that would be able would be facilitating the ability to utilize commercial grade drones to inspect their equipment right. um in a metropolitan neighbor uh, area like phoenix um cell phone towers are everywhere i don't even want to begin to count how many are just in my neighborhood um, but the ability to send somebody out with a drone to inspect their equipment is far more uh, palatable than sending a person up to inspect every one of those towers, you know, every cycle, whatever their right. cycle is. Right. And, so, and, and, and these companies are all the cell phone companies in the U.S. are doing that now, yes. which is, you know, this is why they participate in the drone advisory committee, because they want to say in how things are going and, you know. And yes, you are correct. We are 90% of the, the remote pilots. Um, but the one thing that we've kind of come across is, you know, actually two things that we've kind of come across is, number one, the a lot of the companies and a lot of the, uh, and the FAA themselves aren't seeing recreational uh, in the same tact that we are in terms of how big we are, how often we're flying, you know, that kind of thing. A lot of the things that we do see is that, you know, a lot of the time they're surprised by what, what's going on, which is not a good place to start from. Um, but on the flip side, I think a lot of the, the approach to these regulations tend to be geared towards com the commercial industry. And we're kind of falling into that by proxy. Um, so the whole point of a lot of the things we're trying to do is get recreational on the map, uh, let them see what we're doing, let them understand why we need to be doing it and, you know, get them to understand how big and, and how we are. Um, do regulators believe that drone delivery and other levels of commercial drone loose? Uh, you know, that's a question I can't answer. At, at, at this time, well, I don't the, know. The, FA, the FAA forecast of, uh, of utilization, the answer is no. They have a um, uh, the compound annual annual growth rate of uh, commercial, including uh, delivery, is in the 30 to 40 percent per the FAA's um, estimates, and six to seven percent compound annual growth rate for recreational. So we're starting at a much higher number and continuing a growth rate. And so law of big numbers, a large number growing at even single digit, uh, the uh, 
commercial never catches recreational by the FAA's forecast of usage. So, you know, in terms of the viability of drone delivery, you know, there are a, a couple people in here who, you know, we have had those conversations. Uh, drone delivery doesn't uh, strike me as something that's going to just take off. I don't think it's efficient enough. Um, in terms of uh, other commercial uses, yeah, I, I, I do firmly believe. And you got to keep in mind that a lot of this is, is not just quads, but fixed wing as well. So I know a lot of, uh, there's a, a, I want to say a couple companies here in Arizona, they do a lot of fixed wing flying over farmland. We have a lot of farmland over here, plus we're in the desert. So the proper utilization of water is a big deal. And I, I do know that there's a lot of, uh, you know, I want to say next generation farmers that are using that kind of technology here. Um, so, you know, that kind of stuff uh, from the commercial side is uh, pretty relevant. And uh, our uh, farmland is, can tend to be pretty spread out. So, you know, being able to fly beyond visual line of sight to inspect your fields, to uh, get those infrared images back. Um, it, it's, you know, from, from that aspect, yeah, it's absolutely, a, it's a big uh, kind of subsector. Um, so, uh, do the manned aircraft flying in Class G space have to have network on? <laughs> no, 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 that's not, that's not a requirement, but, you know. Uh, uh, they have to have ADSB right now, I think, yeah. Not in Class yeah, G. Yeah, not in Class G, though. Um, and the, and, and the, yes, the, we the know coverage, that's an argument. <laughs> yeah, the coverage, uh, the, the coverage of uh, ADSB out uh, in manned aircraft is approximately 50% right now. And, of course, that was... ADSB 2020. So that was uh, you know, the mandate after a 10-year period was to have all manned aircraft have ADSB out installed. So that's about 50% right now. Yeah, I'd like to uh, chime in when you have a. Absolutely, jump yeah, in. Yeah, please. Uh, okay, so I'm looking here at the list of the um, Senate Commerce Subcommittee on Aviation and Space, and at least four of these members that I count are up for Senate re-election as Class hmm. Two senators in the next election coming up. Yep. So we may well see some changes in the um, makeup of that committee. So it may not be that people contacting their local senators is as wasted as we might see, because we don't really know who will be the next members of that committee. If we could preload those people before they even get a seat there, um, that may be more effective than trying to talk to them after the fact. It's you not a better contact contact to some of the candidates who we think were, are likely yeah, keep to... a really close eye on potential members and then maybe even carefully yeah. target those people before they even get there yeah, absolutely it's not a, not a bad idea. idea yep i really that's a great thought and definitely something i'm putting on my notes um um also go one ahead. more thing i'm sorry yeah no you're fine uh, I've noticed that we keep mentioning recreational people, and that's definitely a big thing. But I would think that our interests pretty heavily align with anyone who's not Amazon, Intel, etc. So I don't know that we need to confine our advocacy simply to recreational pilots. I think that if we reach out and really explain to people why this is their problem, too, I think we'll find that there's a lot of other interest groups, which is essentially what we are, um, that have a tremendous sort of Venn diagram overlap with the things that's, that we want. Absolutely. And what we, what we, who we try to reach out to are part one, anyone affiliated with part 107, 
we do find that you know 135 or 91. So if you're doing cargo or uh, delivery, uh, you know, not really interested in, in us and um, uh, and our um, putting it nicely. Yeah, and the and our uh, our objectives don't align. The the drone advisory committee has allowed us to meet uh, the people in the aviation manufacturers as well as the manned aviation uh, associations uh, who are keenly interested. And many of these people, no surprise, are also they they fly models, you know. So they you know so they are sympathetic. And when, given that we uh, do the uh, we're working on a collaborative approach. You know, we sign up to uh, to do work and to help on these committees, so we are well received, and that's why they're uh, helping us uh, on tips and techniques on how to uh, uh, how and who to approach in Congress, uh, as well as uh, also uh, they were open and um, the AOPA, the EAA, um, even the uh, ALPA. Uh, uh, comments to the NPRM were largely aligned with ours, and they, we shared documents uh, prior to the submission, which was, I think, certainly uh, helpful to us. And we know that a couple of the associations used our document to help as a primer to uh, some of their people who were writing comments to the NPRM. So uh, we do feel that it, you know the you know, working with folks, reaching out, and uh, being inclusive. And so, if someone you know shows up uh, with us and they're like, "Well, I I fly fixed wing RC," you know, but I think this is important. You bet, because what we're working on is UAS, and I agree, it does span uh, commercial, you know, largely 107 or Part 107 as well as recreational. And one quarter of the MA members bother to submit NPRM or apathy will be our downfall. Well, aren't you the picture of optimism, Bruce? <laughs> I mean, here's here's <laughs> here's the deal. You know, one of the things that, you know, unfortunately we can't control from our side is what the AMA uh, is is telling their folks. So again, I would say that, you know, several I would say like uh voting um a lot of the uh members of the ama don't want to be bothered with the political side of this stuff and you know I, again that does it does come down to apathy uh but at the same time you know there are those who can't be bothered to drag themselves to the polls sometimes so right. you know it, it it's kind of like that so in terms yeah, of political sign off on on lobbying politicians uh, or contacting politicians, you know, it's kind of multifold. Number one, as a regulatory organization, they are working through the mandate of Congress. Um, they, uh, so by contacting Congress, we can change that mandate. Is that likely? I don't know. Um, number two, they pull the purse strings um, on, on these regulatory bodies. So there's that aspect. Number three, uh, we do not get to say who is in charge of a regulatory body in terms of we the people, um, but by impacting, making an impact through through Congress, 
uh, we can work through that as well. Um, so, you know, it's kind of this multifaceted approach on why we want to develop a relationship with our congressmen and women. Um, so from that aspect, uh, I, I do think it's worthwhile to start to build those relationships. You know, one of the things that we as an organization have been very good at is building relationships with uh, with different uh, partners in the space, uh, whether that be, you know, AOPA or uh, Drone U or, you know, any number of other organizations that uh, we have kind of, you know, developed these relationships with through Dave's excellent work on the DAC or through our NPRM response or, you know, whatever. Uh, there are a lot of, uh, you know, influencers on the, on the company, corporation, collective side that, that we have been able to uh, build those relationships. Um, so again, you know, kind of, again, going to back to INR's uh, comment just now, the fact that there are more than a million registered recreational UAS and less than 20 or 200,000 paying members um, is evidence of it. A lot of people just can't be bothered. You know, a lot of people don't know. Um, a lot of people are just not doing things the way that the FAA is, is, is mandating because, you know, there's not a ton of information. When you first get into this hobby, if somebody didn't say, hey, you need to go register, I probably wouldn't have known, you know, because I was just a guy flying his drone. Um, but, you know, through information, you know, YouTube and, and reading and all that kind of stuff, you know, I, I learned, oh, hey, if I'm going to go fly this, you know, government wants me to register um what so if? well it's that the ama does not do anything about the fact that a lot of their clubs say no fpv no multi-rotors you're just not allowed to fly here true story They're just letting it happen and, and i i will not refute that and you know that's why you know we when we created the fpvfc we felt that you know, the FPV community, the, the, the drone community was severely underrepresented by, you know, an organization like the AMA and uh, which provided a space for us to be able to come in and say, hey, you know, let's all kind of, you know, gather up and let's have a voice and let's let's start to shape this stuff. And unfortunately, could it have been a year or two earlier that it would have been better off? Absolutely. We literally started this in the middle of the reauthorization. And right as we were kind of not even, you know, coming out of the birth canal, uh, it dropped. And so, you know, we, we, we kind of came in it in a, in an awkward position with, without being able to affect a lot of the things that have shaped what's happened since. But at the same time, going forward, we can, uh kind of work towards uh shaping that that process and yeah and we're we're connecting with uh, three of the executives uh, in the ama one is tyler dobbs he's the uh, director of governmental affairs the other is uh, rich hansen he's the president of the ama and has a he's a dac member and the third is chad boudreau the executive uh, director of the ama and he's also working with us on a couple of these DAC tasking groups. And I'm also an AMA member and an officer of a local club where it's a small club, but the median age is north of 70 years old. And so I think the, the AMA is uh, aging out. And uh, one of the comments was that 
the AMA did themselves a disservice by um, uh, cutting off uh, FPV from their fields, at least tacitly. And their final 16-page uh, submission to the NPRM was much more inclusive. And it was, uh, if you talk to Rich Hansen or Chad Boudreau or uh, Tyler Dobbs, they really want and need um, drones, UAS, to be part of the AMA. On the local club level, uh, certainly um, I was a member of a, a larger club uh, south of where I live, and they excluded uh, first helicopters and then, of course, gosh forbid, uh, you know, drones fly at their field. Uh, but the, um, you know, it, it does, it comes down to a club by club, but certainly we hear, uh, in, in, consistent with that, a lot of, you know, on the, on the ground at the uh, flying field level, uh, you know, if, if you show up with a, an FPV, you're not really terribly welcome. Um, and so that's, it's also uh, you know, not a lot of fun to fly a, uh, a drone at a, uh, an AMA flying field you know, where, when, you know, so I, I'm flying uh, um, model, uh, model airplanes there. Too little, too late? Um, I don't think so because of the velocity with which the uh, regulations within the FAA are moving. Um, Jay Merkel comments that uh, the UAS integration office is moving at um, a pace that is much, much faster than any other part of the uh, FAA. Um, ah, for the for the AA, you mean for the a AMA? Yes, I think they are pushing a little. Uh, I, I think they. Uh, you know, they're going to age out quickly. Um, the hundred, the 200,000 number breaks down to 150,000 paid members and 50,000 uh, of their uh, park uh, or junior, um, you know, non-paying members. So uh, their uh, their numbers are are dropping, and um, you know the FRIA could be if that goes into into effect, that could be the uh, the kiss of death. So I'm. I'm anxious for the, you know, the, the AMA could be a great uh, partner and, you know, we try to work with them every day and they're, you know, they're, we are working with them on the deck. We uh, worked with uh, Tyler uh, on the uh, exam and, um, input as well as uh, the NPRM. We shared our input with them. So uh, again, it's you know, to us uh, better that we, uh, work positively and work as a uh, in, as an advocate. May I chime in here? Please. All right. So uh, Kujo was saying, and I think that he's right, that a big issue is here is that there's just sort of like a giant blind spot. Um, has there been any thoughts put into doing a fundraise, fundraising campaign and using that money to just straight up buy advertising, like buy a billboard figuratively in Times Square that says, do you own a phantom drone? Well, the FAA wants to ground it by 2023. Go to you know, fpvfc.com or whatever. Um, have you guys thought about um, trying to, you know, amplify your voice outside of your connections that you have? Yes. And not much success, I guess. <laughs> no, no, it's just uh, formative. Ah, uh, got you. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, working directly with uh, uh, manufacturers and retailers and, and distributors. Yep. Uh, beyond that, I would say, you know, have we looked at renting a billboard in Times Square? No, we haven't. Um, but on the flip side, you know, one of the things that we have done is really push 
we have a, a great uh, marketing guy, uh, David, who is helping us uh, work through uh, one of the nice things about being a nonprofit is Google Ads gives us $10,000 a month to uh, push that aspect. And David's doing a great job in terms of getting our name out there on search engines and, and that kind of thing. So uh, we are working on that front. Uh, we are working with, uh, you know, manufacturers and suppliers, you know, in, in order to kind of build uh, the bubble, I guess, and, and expand it out. So um, yeah, dropping leaflets over Times Square. We could do that right now. I think it would be uh, just litter on the ground because nobody's there. Okay. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> so, um, but, uh, uh, you know, so we are working uh, several different aspects uh, and uh, kind of tax to, uh, you know, bring ourselves to the light. I'm working on a personal project that I feel could have an impact um but it's still in the formative stages uh and uh, you know it's uh you know the more that we can get our name out there as a force for for good and uh, uh uh and and by our name i mean recreational uas not fpbfc but um as a collective you know as a force for good and the things that we're doing the innovation that we're creating the stem the STEM programs that we're inspiring, you know, those are things that, uh, you know, the public in understand. Um, but at the same time, I'm a little wary of how much the public will really even care one way or the other, if you're not involved in the hobby, you know, so, you know, do we need to enhance the way that we're, uh, viewed? Absolutely. Uh, you know, do I feel like, you know, John Q. Public, who is into, you know, cars or something and not into drones is going to give, you know, a care? You know, probably not. But um, the bigger that we can expand our voice through both individual pilots and through companies and manufacturers and distributors and suppliers, uh, the better off we're going to be. Let's see. I'm trying to catch up on everybody's comments while I went on my diatribe there. Yeah, I've been um, as, uh, <laughs> we're talking sub 250. Um, yeah, and our our view on sub 250, um, it, sub 250 for recreational is uh, exempt of uh, um, remote ID. Um, we made it. We were loud and clear in our comments that you know we would like that continued. It would be terribly easy to just strike uh, sub 250 uh, because certain uh, DHS wants uh, all drones to be visible. So it would not surprise us that there are modifications uh, to the sub 250 as we move toward the uh, final rule. Um, yes, and uh, and sub 250 is only for recreational and not for. Uh, 107. If you fly 107, you have to register, and once you register, you are register the aircraft, not the not the operator. You uh, are uh, subject to the proposed uh, remote ID rules. Yes, we understand Canada is doing a, a good job. It's a pretty uh, surprising, in as much as 
Canada started out with a, uh, a very restrictive uh, set of uh, set yeah, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable rules, and then they're two, sub 250. They're doing uh, doing great. Yeah. So we just we just need to make uh, lighter uh, aircraft. Uh, our our view is that sub 250 is is great, is cool, uh, but we uh, we do oh, not want restricted. to change yet. Yeah, we don't want to change our approach from where we were on uh, the NPRM because we think that there is uh, still a lot of uh, vitality uh, in the um, uh, five inch, seven inch, uh, and a lot of innovation can happen there. And uh, certainly uh, sub 250 makes it more difficult because you have to, you know, you have to be miniaturized before you can get the thing in the air. Yeah. <clears throat> I just, I don't feel like we should, you know, I'm not at the point yet where I'm compromising. I don't want to give up one to to gain the other, and um, you know that's just my personal opinion. Uh, I think that uh, as we stand right now, we've kind of you know we're we're kind of bumping up against the wall in terms of innovation of of a sub 250. Um, flight characteristics are obviously different. Um, the amount of equipment you can pack on a sub 250 is limited. You know, for a lot of the things that we, you know, we want to use a drone for, sub 250 doesn't quite always hit it. Um, it comes close. It definitely comes close, but um, you know, it, it's not there yet. Um, but you know, as we you know, kind of rub up against that wall of innovation and miniaturization issues and and whatnot. Um, we're we're kind of bumping up against the wall there. So, all right. Anything else we want to touch base on? Any more comments? Any more questions that we can answer? This has been a really good meeting, and I really appreciate the feedback, guys. Uh, uh, definitely gives us some food for thought and. Uh, you know, hopefully this was informative for everybody else as well. All what is one thing that everyone should do this week to improve the hobby? Hmm, that's a great question. I think one of the biggest things I could say, and one of the biggest things that I do is I just talk about it. Uh, I'm constantly sharing uh, videos with people who have no idea idea uh i you know i work in in a uh in the retail industry so i've run into customers who you know maybe they uh flew fixed wing uh model aircraft you know a decade ago had no idea you know have fallen out of it have no idea about drones um uh, i talked to them about it uh, i'm able to bring that expertise with electronics into you know uh, talking with uh, people about projects and, and what they're working on and, and being able to do that. Um, I do like Dan's comment, don't hurt anyone. And don't yeah, <laughs> yes, and absolutely Ina, don't take that a man. Ina has a good one. Find someone, find someone flying in an unsafe manner and talk, and talk to, to them. them. Yep. This, is, this is getting a lot of discussion in the, um, uh, safe, in the tasking group I'm working on on safety culture. And so... So I'm under, uh, understanding in manned aviation, if you're a pilot and you see a fellow pilot do something that's eh, it's not reckless and it wasn't intentional, but it was un it was unsafe, you walk over and chat with them and you say, hey, you know, 
thought that uh, you know you know maybe you could do that a little better and and it's a, a a philosophy that has gained traction where there is a non-punitive self-reporting to the FAA and that's to me very positive so the idea of helping each other out um, uh, NERC does a great job of this he had a video a couple of weeks ago where he said hey you, know, you want to be a little more safe when you travel on an airplane. Set your, you know, discharge your batteries to storage uh, level, and let mm -hmm. me show you how, how what the what the reduction in the total amount of uh, uh, energy is in these things. And I thought, wow, that's that's fantastic. I mean, that's the essence of what we're trying to push, which is, you know, be a, do do better than the minimum requirement. You know, be be safe and be smart. Absolutely. It. So uh, we got a couple other suggestions. Uh, find uh, I like INRs. Find someone flying unsafely and talk to them. The uh, other big thing I would say is don't beat them up. You know, just have that that nice uh, constructive criticism conversation. Um, don't blow them up on Facebook. Don't why are you doing this? And yeah. you know, I saw something like that the other day, and I was just like, guys, just you know, have that pull them aside. It doesn't need to be a public forum. You know. Um, just just have that quick conversation. Lenny's, I like Lenny's. Be super yeah, patient with noobs. Really. One of the reasons I got into drones was the community. Uh, more so than the aspect of flying, uh, I, I felt like at the time that I was getting into into it, I felt like the community was very helpful. You know, again, I grew up on... Supportive, inclusive, yep. Yep, absolutely. I, and I came into the hobby on, uh, you know, not to flatter Bruce, but on Bruce's videos on uh, RC model reviews, on flight tests, um, you know, and uh, I would literally, you know, watch and listen to those things religiously uh, and, and get on Facebook and figure out what was going on and, and find out, you know, the, the scene in my area in, in Phoenix was, was just in its founding stages then. And, and uh, um those are uh, kind of when I came in, and, and the, the attitude was uh, very welcoming. Uh, I think that, that tone has shifted a little bit, and I'd like to see us move back towards that welcoming tone. So, uh, but. Uh, and Al Alex Suarez uh, asks Can more of us help with the DAC tasking groups? And the answer to that is yes. Um, uh, we're, we got uh, permission, and the, the permission is exactly the, the right uh, word. Uh, because the information that uh, we create is embargoed until it's uh, presented to the FAA at the day of the DAC, so we got we got permission to send out a survey on uh, on the safety tasking group, and I'm going to try to make this the norm now that we have a precedent. And so uh, I'm driving uh, brief uh, Facebook polls, and so. Uh, I will reach out to uh, folks on uh, FPVFC Facebook group to um, push, you know, push them out uh, to the extent you can, and that would be uh, a significant help. Um, I'm also uh, these will, yeah. Other than that, um, I, I'll think about how, uh, you know, how else can we uh, uh, get folks involved? And certainly, you know, it's, it's usually to echo what Josh was saying is that when I uh, describe what you know how people uh, contact what the communities are that they you know we really are talking to people around the world 
uh, evidence of that can be uh, very useful. Um, and so, uh, a good question, and uh, uh, that's one part. And I'll I'll try to think of uh, more ways that uh, we can ask for help across FPVFC uh, on the tasking groups. Don't worry, I'll save the hobby now. I need... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Love it. All right, guys, I won't take up much more of your evening. I do appreciate uh, you guys being here. Um, and uh, I appreciate the feedback. Uh, it's great to to hear from everybody, and we do appreciate it. Um, I hope you guys all have a great evening. I hope you all are safe and, and uh, healthy, and uh, let's keep it that way. Uh, and uh, hopefully you guys can get out and fly. It's hot as blazes in Phoenix right now, so uh, indoors in it York. is for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Take care. Be safe, everyone. Take it easy, guys. Thank you.